In Jerusalem, A.D. 30, Jesus died on the cross, resurrected on the third day, and then ascended into heaven. Fifty days after Jesus' resurrection, the Holy Spirit fell on the apostles, giving them power, purpose, and a plan. And out of joy, the church was born. Empowered by the Spirit, Peter gave his first sermon, and 3,000 hearts were transformed. Hearing, receiving, and repenting, the young church walked in unity and garnered praise. Peter and John then continued to spread the gospel through preaching and miracles, and the church grew by 5,000. In AD 31, Stephen gave a powerful sermon, and the enraged crowd stoned him, making him the first Christian martyr. Around AD 34, on the road to Damascus, the Lord transformed the heart of Saul, a man who persecuted countless Christians, and Saul became Paul. In AD 44, King Herod Agrippa I executed the Apostle James and had Peter arrested. But an angel rescued Peter, leading him out of the prison. As the believers were scattered because of persecution, the center of operations for Christianity turned from Jerusalem to Antioch, where Paul and Barnabas were sent out on their first missionary journey. On his final missionary journey, Paul traveled through Galatia, Phrygia, and Ephesus, encouraging the disciples in the cities. He then spent three months in Greece before traveling to Jerusalem, where he was arrested. Paul was then sent to Rome for trial, but the ship wrecked on the island of Malta. When he finally arrived in Rome, he lived there for two years before Nero ordered his beheading. And after 28 chapters, the story of Acts came to an end. Yet the story of the gospel didn't stop there. Welcome to Acts. Christ's ministry continues. Our verse-by-verse journey that has brought us to the end of the fifth book of the New Testament. It's a story of how we began our roots, beginning with the resurrection of Jesus and His ascension and sending of the Holy Spirit upon His followers, making them His church that He is building as He promised, multiplying across the Roman Empire through the ministry of what we call apostles. Today they're called church planners. They're able to go where there's nothing and leave something behind. That is an awesome ministry. They never work alone. They work with the team. And so Paul and his apostolic team had been very effective in our context today. He was on his way to Rome as a prisoner. Uh, He had gone to Jerusalem, and his plan was to go onward to Rome, as we'll see in a few minutes. And there he got arrested, actually rescued. That A rescue became an arrest where some people wanted to kill him, and the Roman government there couldn't make heads or tails out of what was going on in Jerusalem, so let's just keep the peace by keeping this man incarcerated. Then they found out there was a threat against his life, and they shipped him or sent him on horseback with soldiers to protect him to Caesarea on the coast, and there he was for over two years under the, under the leadership of two different governors who did not release him, although he was innocent. When that second governor... Festus determined to send him to Jerusalem for a new trial to try to clear the docket. Paul appealed to Caesar. He could do that as a Roman citizen. And so therefore, he is now shipped to Rome as a prisoner and passenger. He has experienced a horrible storm. They're sailing in the wintertime, which is a big mistake. And they wound up on an island of Malta where God used Paul to heal everybody on the island that had diseases. And verse 10, people on Malta, the natives, 
honored us in many ways. And when we departed, they provided such things as were necessary. After three months, they took care of him for three months and then sent him away with, you know, meals on wheels and stuff that was helpful to them. We sailed in an Alexandrian ship whose figurehead was the twin brothers which had wintered on the island. What are the twin brothers? Well, they're the gods of Gemini. Remember your Roman mythology, your Greek mythology? Castor and Pollux were supposedly twin brothers. Now, keep in mind, ancient people didn't have good biology. They supposedly were twins. They had the same mother, but they had different fathers. One of whom supposedly was the king, Tendarius, and the other one was supposedly Zeus, the god that they worshipped. And it was believed that they brought good luck to ships. So I guess the Roman authorities thought, man, we had such bad luck on that last voyage. Let's get on a ship that, you know, is dedicated to gods that are all about safety. And so on the bow of this ship, you see these on ancient ships, they have a statue. So on the bow of this ship were the twin brothers, Castor and Pollux. Verse 12. And landing at Syracuse, that's on the next island, Sicily, any Sicilians in the house? They stay there three days, verse 13. From there they circled around and reached Regium. Now, now they're around by the, the toe of the boot called Italy. And after one day, the south wind blew, and the next day we came to Puteoli. Now they're moving. That's like 90 miles in one day, which is huge for a sailor, sailing vessel where we found brethren, all right, so now they're going to have some Christian fellowship, and were invited to stay with them seven days, and so we went toward Rome. So Paul got some fellowship for a week, got a break. Now notice this invitation didn't, didn't say it was limited to Paul and his party. Obviously, it would have to be his guard, the one he's chained to, and it was to the rest of the people. So the believers opened their doors, offered hospitality, to other believers and unbelievers. Isn't that awesome? And being Italians, don't you know the food was great? <laughs> Calm down, it's only 9, 12 in L.A., all right. And so we went toward Rome, verse 15. From there, when the brethren heard about us, they came to meet us as far as Apiforum and three inns. One of those communities was 33 miles from Rome, the other one was 43 miles. When Paul saw them, he thanked God and took courage. So he's getting encouragement along the way. Verse 16, now when we came to Rome, the centurion, that is the Roman officer in charge, Julius was his name, delivered the prisoners to the captain of the guard. But Paul was permitted to dwell by himself with the soldier who guarded him. It doesn't say, but I imagine the guy he was chained to had kind of a long chain. So you could go to the bathroom, I don't know. Think about weird stuff like that. Verse 17, And it came to pass after three days that Paul called the leaders of the Jews together. In Rome at that time were between 40,000 and 50,000 Jews. And with the gospel being to the Jew first, Paul follows the pattern, even as a, even as a prisoner here. He's going to witness to the Jews. And so he called their leaders together. Archaeologically, I think there's a close to 13 synagogues in Rome at this time that they found proof for. So when they had come together, he said to them, now keep in mind, he doesn't know if they know who he is and, 
You know, he didn't want them stirring up any trouble. Men and brethren, though I have done nothing against our people or the customs of our fathers, yet I was delivered as a prisoner from Jerusalem into the hands of the Romans, who when they had examined me, wanted to let me go because there was no cause for putting me to death. But when the Jews, that is the Jewish unbelievers in Jerusalem, spoke against it, I was compelled to appeal to Caesar. Not that I had anything of which to accuse my nation. He wanted to speak to Caesar concerning his innocence, not, a, not concerning someone else's guilt. Verse 20, For this reason, therefore, I have called for you to see you and speak with you, because for the hope of Israel... I am bound with this chain. This is, this is why I'm here. It has, to do with, it has to do with the prophecies we're hoping for the fulfillment of, which Jesus being the Messiah is. Then they said to him, verse 21, We neither received letters from Judea concerning you, nor have any of the brethren who came reported or spoken any evil of you. So our connections with Jerusalem hadn't told us about you. But we do desire, or we desire to hear from you what you think. For concerning this sect, that is Christianity, the Messianic community, we know that it is spoken against everywhere. So these guys were ripe for the harvest, weren't they? They didn't know any bad things about Paul. They hadn't heard any of their lies. And they really didn't understand what the followers of Jesus were about. Verse 23, so when they had appointed him a day... Many came to him at his lodging, to whom he explained and solemnly testified of the kingdom of God, persuading them concerning Jesus from both the law of Moses and the prophets from morning till evening. So he had two meetings with them. The first one was kind of an introduction. The second one was set up where even more leaders came. It, it seems likely that all the synagogue leadership for Rome was there. And they spent the day with Paul explaining to them the scriptures, how Jesus is the fulfillment of Isaiah 53 and, and Psalm 24 and other amazing prophecies concerning the Lord. Verse 24, And some were persuaded by the things which are spoken, and some disbelieved. This happened everywhere Paul went. People refused to believe, and other people would believe. So when they did not agree among themselves... They departed after Paul had said one word, and he quotes Isaiah to them, and this does not make them happy. He said, the Holy Spirit spoke rightly through Isaiah the prophet to our fathers, saying, go to this people and say, hearing you will hear and shall not understand, and seeing you will see and not perceive. For the hearts of this people have grown dull, their ears are hard of hearing, and their eyes they have closed, lest they should see with their eyes and hear with their ears, lest they should understand with their hearts and turn so that I should heal them. In other words, the Lord is going to harden the hearts of those that refuse to believe the messenger he's sending them. And they're going to read the consequences of it. Therefore, verse 28, let it be known to you that the salvation of God has been sent to the Gentile, and they will hear it. The gospel's to the Jew first. You guys are first. I've told you. And now 
I'm turning to the Gentiles to preach to them as well. Now keep in mind, there were Jewish leaders that did believe, but those that didn't, no longer going to be a priority. Verse 29, And when he had said these words, the Jews departed and had a great dispute among themselves. <laughs> He's always stirring up stuff everywhere he went. Then Paul dwelt two whole years in his own rented house. How long does it take for a man to get a hearing? And received all who came to him, preaching the kingdom of God and teaching the things which concern the Lord Jesus Christ with all confidence, no one forbidding him. The book just kind of ends. Why? Well, I believe because the book of Acts really isn't over. We're living in chapter 29, and that's a long chapter. It's including you and I and our story. Now turn over to Romans chapter 15. Paul wrote this letter to the believers in Rome before he ever went there. I think he may have been in Ephesus when he wrote this letter. And he's getting towards the end of his letter. There's one more chapter after this one. And he talks about his desire to go see them. Verse 22 of Romans 15. For this reason, I also have been much hindered from coming to you. Been wanting to come to you, but there just continues to be hindrances. But now, no longer having a place in these parts, my job is done here, and having a great desire these many years to come to you, whenever I journey to Spain, I will come to you. I have never been to Spain. <laughs> For I hope to see you on my journey and to be helped on my way there by you. In other words, I want to see you on my way to Spain, and I hope for a place to stay so I can rest up, and maybe you guys can fill my lunchbox. And to be helped on my way there by you, if first I may enjoy your company for a while. I, I don't want to just stop in. I want to be there for a while. Verse 25, But now I am going to Jerusalem to minister to the saints. For it pleased those from Macedonia and Achaia to make certain contribution for the poor among the saints who are in Jerusalem. It pleased them indeed, and they are their debtors. For if the Gentiles have been partakers of their spiritual things, their duty is also to minister to them in material things. Now the church in Jerusalem was going through hard times. They had already spent themselves, sold all their belongings, to live communally for eight years to help get the church off the ground. Then persecution arose and scattered the church, leaving behind believers who were still under a certain amount of persecution. So anything sent to them is a great blessing to them. And so the Gentile churches across the Roman Empire have been greatly blessed by their sacrifice. It's only right that they should give back to them. Therefore, verse 28, when I have performed this and have sealed to them this fruit, I shall go by way of you to Spain. But I know that when I come to you, I shall come in the fullness of the blessing of the gospel of Christ. Oh, it's going to be wonderful, right? Keep that in mind. It didn't exactly look like it was going to be like that. But notice the focus is the blessing of the gospel. Not the blessing of pleasant circumstances or the blessing of everything going my way, but the blessing of the gospel being furthered in the earth. Now I beg you, brethren, these are brothers in Rome, verse 30, 
through the Lord Jesus Christ and through the love of the Spirit that you strive together with me in prayers to God for me, that I may be delivered from those in Judea who do not believe, and that my service for Jerusalem may be acceptable to the saints. He knew there was going to be some opposition there. That I may come to you with joy by the will of God and may be refreshed together with you. Let's pray. Lord, I pray that your word would bear fruit in our lives, that it would become alive to us personally, that what we see would not just be objective, it happened centuries ago, but Lord, make it, make it subjective in that it's happening in our life as well. In Jesus' name, amen. Christ's ministry continues, often including detour. Somebody said detour. Continuing Jesus' ministry, that's what we're called to do, often includes detours. Who's, who's made big plans only to have them not happen like you wanted? You know, step five got skipped. It became step one, step seven, step three, step four, step five. It came at the end. And if you're easily shook up, it'll shake your faith. But that's why songs like we sang today, I will put my trust in you, is so important that we not get off track because of disappointment. Disappointment is actually often a reappointment. Reappointment. Your appointment became a divine appointment often. Years earlier, Paul planned to go to Rome. We read that. When these things were accomplished, Paul purposed in the Spirit. When he had passed through Macedonia and Achaia to go to Jerusalem, saying, after I have been there, I must also see Rome. He said that as far back as Acts 19, five years earlier before he arrived there. Ultimately, he wanted to go to Spain. We read this. Whenever I journey to Spain, I shall come to you. Romans 15, 24. For I hope to see you on my journey and to be helped on my way there by you, if first I may enjoy your company for a while. So ultimately, his destination in his plans was Spain. I don't know that he ever made it there. Church historians argue about it a little bit. There's a couple apostolic fathers that alluded to it, and one is real vague, like he went to the western, Paul went to the westernmost part of the empire. Well, is that as far as the empire goes, or is that as far west as he went? First, Paul planned to go to Jerusalem. Now I'm going to Jerusalem to minister to the saints. I'm going to take these offerings. There he would deliver a contribution for it pleased those from Macedonia and Achaia to make a certain contribution for the poor among the saints who were in Jerusalem. So this was his purpose in going to Jerusalem was to take aid to the brothers and sisters there. Keep in mind, it wasn't just aid he could carry, but it was his team. Maybe they had donkeys, horses, camels, who knows. They're taking these gifts to bless the brothers and sisters in Jerusalem. His plan was then to begin the journey from Jerusalem onward. Verse 28, Therefore, when I have performed this and have sealed to them this fruit, I shall go by way of you to Spain. For this trip, he was sure of God's blessing. But I know that when I come to you, I shall come in the fullness of the blessing of the gospel of Christ. He had high hopes. Boy, was he in for some disappointment. Yet, 
it happen on God's timetable and God's way. Spain, not so much, though. Proverbs 16, 9, you need to memorize this word. In his heart, a man plans his way, plans his course, but the Lord establishes his steps. We have a destination, we have a goal, but how we get there doesn't always work according to our plan because God is in control. He is the Lord of our life. I was riding in the front seat trying really hard to be the driver, <laughs> but now I'm riding in the back seat. Jesus is the driver of my life. Paul's plans were, check, leave from Jerusalem. Check, go back to the churches he established in Greece, that is, Achaia and Macedonia. Check, collect offerings for the poor believers in Jerusalem. Check, deliver this gift to the churches in Jerusalem. Check, and then things get off the rails. His plan was to leave Jerusalem and head for Spain. Didn't exactly happen like that to stop at Rome and visit with the believers there for a while. As we saw, he's there for two years before he gets a trial. He's going to be there a long while, maybe. It's believed by some that after Acts 28 ended, he was beheaded. But it's believed by others he was actually released, and then when Nero became a crazy man and turned against Christians, began killing them, he got rearrested and killed. So between those two times, it's believed he went back to the areas where he'd already ministered. Psalm 37, the steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord, and he delights in his way. Though he fall, he shall not be utterly cast down, for the Lord upholds him with his hand. Look at that. The steps of a good man, a good woman, a good person are ordered by the Lord, and he delights in his way. Though he or she falls... He or she shall not utterly be cast down. God orders our steps. Sometimes we stumble because we're shocked. I can't believe God let this happen to me. It throws us for a loop. Somebody hurts us. Somebody betrays us. Somebody done somebody wrong. You ever sung that song? But you're not utterly going to be cast down because God has ordered your steps. He's got a plan and he's going to uphold you, help you get back up, help you get back on track. It's happening here even this morning. Paul's plans were detoured by his arrest in Jerusalem, a plot to murder him. Some people had made a vow they weren't going to eat or drink till he was dead. I reckon they broke that vow, don't you? He was incarcerated in Caesarea for over two years under two governors. He was shipped to Rome in chains. They encountered a horrific winter storm at sea. Talk about miserable. They were shipwrecked on Malta, bit by a venomous snake on Malta for three months under house arrest in Rome for two years. Can you say detour? It happens. Chained to a guard 24-7. It's kind of hard to go to... Spain, when your guard's not going with you. I believe it was here that he wrote those prison letters. Not Caesarea. Here, in Rome. To the church in Philippi, Colossae, and Ephesus. Encouraging letters. Redeeming the time. You know, when, 
When you're incarcerated, you've got time to write if they'll give you pen and paper. Encourage somebody. To the church in Philippi, he said this. Keep in mind, he's in chains in Rome, house arrest. I want you to know, brethren, that my circumstances have turned out for the greater progress of the gospel. It's all about the spreading of the gospel. It's not all about my comfort and everything going my way. Some so-called full gospel churches play hopscotch with the book of Acts. They read just the juicy parts and then use that to beat up on all the other churches that believe in cessationism. They had signs and wonders in the book of Acts. They did, but they had a lot of other stuff too. Read the whole book. You want the full gospel, it's there. It's all about the furthering of the gospel, not all about my comfort. Well, didn't he come to give us abundant life? Yes. I've come that you might have life and life more abundantly. Who's received the free gift of eternal life? You already have abundant life, whether you're tasting it every single day of your life or not. But between living in the now, looking forward to the not yet, there are stuff, there is stuff to go through. If our purpose in life is our comfort and our being blessed, if that is my sole purpose, guess what's going to happen? The gospel's not going to be spread like God wants it to. So what will he do? He'll jerk the feathers out of your nest to get you off your blessed assurance, <laughs> recognizing there's divine appointments happening in this jail cell. In spite of detours, because of them, Paul preached to thousands of rioters in Acts 22, the Sanhedrin twice in Acts 23 and 24. This is the highest point of leadership in Jewish culture at that time. Two Roman governors, Festus and Felix, remember the guys that had hound dog names? Festus and Felix. <laughs> King Herod Agrippa II, the great-grandson of the, of the Herod that um, had the babies killed, remember, when Jesus was born? The son of the Herod that had John's brother James beheaded? He got to preach to 275 other passengers, many of them prisoners, on board a ship that was in great danger. He was able to stand up on his high legs and say, I believe in God. Y'all should have listened to me. <laughs> the ruler of Malta healed his daddy, and all, all the people on Malta that had diseases were healed. They stayed there for three months. Don't you know they planted a church? The Jewish leaders in Rome, twice. One time, all day long, from the law and the prophets. This would not have happened were it not for the detours. He wouldn't have probably called for this meeting were it not such conflict with the leaders in Jerusalem. He needed to meet with them first. This normally wasn't the way he would do it. He would go to a town and visit the synagogue and, and kind of start things undercover. But here he's right up front. He's a prisoner, so he can't exactly go to synagogue. So he's calling the leaders together and preaches to them. The Praetorian Guard in Rome, Philippians 1, says he spoke to the palace guard there. And he's ending Philippians, sending greetings to believers in Philippi. 
from believers in the household of Caesar. Who reckons that's a fruitful detour? And ultimately, he's going to preach to the emperor. Nero himself. In spite of detours, or because of detours. Now, some detours we have taken are self-inflicted. Who remembers Jonah? So maybe you've taken a detour, you've ran from your calling or gotten ahead of your calling, as I've done many times. That's not the end of the world. Get back in step and start following the master. Yeah, but I made such a mess. He'll take that mess and make it part of your story. He can take a mess and make a message, a test and make a testimony. First the test, then the money. So the story's not over. Stay tuned. I want you to know, brethren, that my circumstances have turned out for the greater progress of the gospel. It's about the progress of the gospel. Maybe you're not ready to hear that yet. You need to know it. The gospel is the good news of Jesus, that God so loved the world that he gave his son as a sacrifice, who died an unjust death at the hand of sinners. So that through faith in that sacrifice, his death becomes ours. We no longer have to suffer eternal punishment for our sins because the Son of God has. But he didn't stay there. He rose from the dead to become our high priest to make sure that we receive the full benefits of his sacrifice. This is how eternal life is is brought about. This is how the transformed life begins, through faith in the gospel. And because of the gospel, we are people who now live by faith and not by sight. Maybe your circumstances look like the world's biggest detour. You've already come off the cliff. There's no hope. Put your faith in the master and not in your circumstances. Put your faith in what you believe rather than what you see. In reality, in spite of the detours, God's will gets done. Here's a map of Paul's journey someone put together after the fact. When they leave Caesarea, they go to Sidon, they go to Myra, they go to Fair Havens. I mean, just looking at the map, not knowing the story, it looks like a pretty good ocean cruise, doesn't it? Oh, sweet, Paul sailed to Rome. So ultimately, the job gets done. But the way it gets done is not the way we would do it, I would do it. Maybe you're so full of faith that's exactly the way you would do it. Well, it's not the way I would do it. I'll just be honest with you. Isaiah 55 is an amazing chapter. Let's just look at two of the verses in this chapter. God says, my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways, declares the Lord. As the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. So God's higher than we are, to say the least, right? So ultimately, he is in charge. He's given us authority, but our authority is totally delegated. We have a sheriff's deputy that worships with us. Don't want to draw attention to him. 
He's been authorized by the sheriff to function in his place, right? Provided the sheriff has authorized him to do what he's authorized to exercise, right? But sure, as a deputy comes out from under the authority of his deputizer, he no longer has authority. We have authority to function under the sovereignty of God, but sure as we no longer submit to that authority, trying to come up with our own thing, we no longer have the real thing. We've been given authority to further the gospel. That's what it's all about. Now, like little kids, sometimes we think we're doing stuff. You ever help a little kid to hit a baseball? You ever done that? Who's done that? And then they run in the house and tell their mommy, I hit a ball. But if you look at how it happened, you help them with your power and your strength. That's what God does to us. Many times in our life, we think we got it going on. We think we're running things, but ultimately, he's the one giving us the hand. Watch this. your lordship, your sovereignty, your authority, and your power. We recognize the fact that you hold the universe, and we are secure in you, and we trust you to fulfill your will in our lives. And Lord, as we worship, I pray, Lord, we would respond to this word in whatever way you're calling us to do, whether it's to pray or to receive prayer.
Oh, my God. 